Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Do Go On is brought to you by our UK and Ireland Krishmish Tour happening this December. Our London show sold out in just a couple of hours, so we've added in a new show that is on sale now, and that is before the other show, so it's a matinee, 4.30pm, Sunday, December the 8th. Oh, I can't wait for a matinee. Mm, fancy. Oh, matinee. I matinee. like the sound of that. <laughs> it's got my name in it. Now I hate it. <laughs> the Bristol show got is... Got that neigh, which is the name of my horse. <laughs> uh, the Bristol show is sold out and the other shows are selling very, very fast. If you're not aware, we're coming to Glasgow, Leeds, Dublin, London and Bristol. We will not be adding any extra cities. So It's a shame. A few people have been messaging asking us, but uh, unfortunately just time and whatnot. And uh, some of your villages don't have enough people to fill a show. So we aren't able to get to any other cities. Someone uh, messaged in from a place and I looked it up and the population was seven. And I just don't <laughs> think we can. Yeah. But you we know, could... we're coming a long way from Australia. I don't know if you've looked at a globe, but do... we're quite far away. The question is, do all seven people in the village listen? <laughs> Yeah. And do they have friends from out of town? <laughs> yeah, who are willing to visit. Anyway, all those details are on dogoonpod.com. And welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. I'm standing. That's true. I'm kneeling. And I'm lying oh. about sitting because <laughs> I'm also standing. Yay! God, it's confusing. Yeah. Especially looking at you sit over there. Yeah, no, I'm uh, just quite short. Sorry, I no-ended you there, didn't I? Yeah, you no-ended. I flunked out you of know him from school. You no-butted him. <laughs> I, I just... No-butt, Dave. <laughs> Huh? That's actually your, one of your nicknames from childhood. No but day. That's right. It's <laughs> such tiny, tiny tush. <laughs> so tiny, it's non-existent. I just want to give people an accurate, because uh, I imagine people are, you know, when they're listening, they like to imagine what we're doing. Yeah, if you're listening while driving your car, we're also driving our car right now. Yeah, I'm wearing a ball gown. Yeah. 
I'm what is a, Matt? I'm wearing a bald cap. <laughs> the cow's electric. You just said bald gown. <laughs> I thought gown. you. For some reason, I thought you were going to say bald cap. No feathers. You plucked all the feathers off your gown. Yeah. Hey, we. I mean, you can probably tell listening at home that we're pretty excited. There's a festive mood in here. We're quivering with excitement because <laughs> today is the official beginning of Blocktofer Grace oh, Festival. And a merry block to you. Merry block to you too. And Dave, a merry block to you. A merry block. Well, I think, sorry, I gave the the uh, full name. It's actually, uh, the short name is uh, Block or Blocktoberfest. Mm. Uh, or Blocktofer Grace period Festivali. Mm. That's the mid-range one. The longer one goes for, you know, three to four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if this is the first time listening to the show, yes, uh, we do speak English here. Um, <laughs> well, We do speak in the English. <laughs> um, Blockbuster is where the original title came from That's last right. year. When October we did the some of our biggest and most requested topics. Yes. Blockbuster-tober grace Period festival. Yes. And this is the second annual version, and we're doing that again. It is week one of Block. Yeah. Yep. So this year we used a new system. I put uh, on our Patreon at patreon.com slash do go on pod. Uh, I put it out to our patrons, and they gave us a heap of great suggestions. And then they upvoted it until uh, I got, uh, I think, a 20 odd uh, suggestion from them. And then I went into Jack the Hat McVitie, which is where uh, people, listeners, can suggest topics. Anyone can do that. And there's a link in the show notes. And I took uh, any suggestion that had, um, I can't remember the minimum, it was like 10 or something, like quite a few su- times had been suggested and they went into the vote as well. Oh. And then there was a public vote. It took me it took me half a day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, and then I wrote, I wrote the 50 options out and I was about 45 in and I accidentally clicked the cross on the uh, tab and I had to begin again. No. <laughs> My oh. fat fingers. This, um... Sounds more complicated than the American general election. Yeah, it is similar to that. And much like uh, me, I, I thought I'd voted for um, the guy who had that movie about the climate change. But Al, it Gore. Ended, Al Gore. Al Gore. <laughs> but it ended up going to the other guy, the, the guy Bush man. who had the movie about climate change. That Superman? <laughs> yes, that's him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I'd love a nice quick introduction. I think <laughs> I've nailed that here today. Basically, in summary, we're doing some of our most requested, most voted for topics, and it is my turn this week to report on a topic, and you two don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't know anything. So, uh, I <laughs> What's gave, my name? I gave you keys. Superman. <laughs> I gave you the keys to the results, and you've so you've gone with, does this mean you've gone with the fourth or fifth? Yes. We're doing five topics this month. But uh, maybe a guest or two coming in as well. So a few surprises. Superman? Secret. In a way. Secret. All right. So we always start. This is the fifth most requested topic for Block. Sorry, Dave. I just need (laughs) to make sure. Do you think it's clear what's going on here? I don't. Well, okay. Let me try. Yeah, Yeah, let me try. Okay. Um, We're going to do our most requested and most popular topic suggestions. Oh, that is good. But did, you didn't at all explain the convoluted system. <laughs> no, I didn't. Didn't need to actually, because um, <laughs> uh, if you're listening, you've either voted or you had no late. idea, <laughs> and it was care. something new. Uh, uh, but obviously, where you're from, uh, it's a waiting system. If, yeah. So yeah. if you're from the Caribbean, your vote is worth three. From North America, it's worth two. Australia, you only get one to one vote parity. That's mm. right. So <laughs> it's all based on exchange rates. Um, and, yeah, so it, it does take a little bit of time. Yeah. Obviously, depending on where the ducks are flying, um, 
if they're flying north or south for the winter. Yeah. Depending on where you're from as and well. Depending on what uh, Punxsutawney's Phil yeah. says. Um, <laughs> Does he cast a shadow? Let's find out. How long? How many more weeks of spring? Our fifth most requested topic. <laughs> uh, here it is. My question. We always start with a question to get us onto topic. And my question is to you: What was the first commercially produced fantasy role-playing game? Oh, I'm a, I've got a real advantage here because I made the list of topics, so I think so I know this one. You're able to re- remember all 49 topics. And well, they I rem- were a fantasy I, role-playing game. Yeah, I remember all the role-playing <laughs> games that were in there. 48 of 49 to- of our most requested topics. But I also know that someone is tallying the results, so I'll give just one go. Dungeons and Dragons. You got it. Yay! <laughs> it is Dungeons and Dragons. This is a very requested topic. So shout out and thank you to all these people. And there is quite a lot. So I'll try and get to them. Harry from Northampton. Jonathan Busick, who told me how to pronounce his name. He said, but Matt can mess it up if you want. Uh, I'd love to. Jonathan Buttkiss. (laughs) (laughs) He's from Havermill, Massachusetts. Uh, Jeremy Flaherty from Noblesville, Indiana. Johnny Dawson from Leicester, England. Christopher M. McAuliffe from, I cannot believe this is a real place, Snowhomish. Washington. Cool. Benjamin Ward, Southampton. Taylor Payne from Las Vegas. Johnny Dawson from Leicester again. Yep, I put your name in twice. <laughs> Colton Adrian from Chatteroy, Washington. Zach Bay from Newton, Iowa. Adam Benson from Essex. Chris from Sidmouth, Devon. Jacob Miller from Bloomington, Indiana. And finally, McKenna from Potsdam, New York, USA. So obviously we're not joking when we say uh, most requested topics here, most popular so that's exciting. That's a, yeah. that's a big Highly list. requested. And uh, Dungeons & Dragons is today's topic. Before we jump in, do you guys know much about this fantasy role-playing game? I know very little. I know. I mean, I've seen all three seasons of Stranger Things, um, and they played in that. I know there's a Demogorgon at one point. I know that... And I'm also in um, a couple of Facebook groups, like the Planet Broadcasting one and the Sands Pants ones, and comes up a bit in there. There's something about a dice that has a lot of sides, and also some people like to collect piss-coloured dice. Is you, that, that piss are... thing? Because that hasn't come up for me. I'd love to know a bit more about the piss. Oh, I, I might be wrong. <laughs> Is that not a thing? Maybe that was one person who posted one thing one time. Okay. I don't know heaps. Tripod did one show that was like a Dungeons & Dragons theme. Did you still? So they're a live comedy trio. Yes. A live musical comedy trio, I should say. And did you still go along because you're a big fan? Even yeah. You didn't have the references? It was a, I mean, it was a. a Confusing hour? No. A, a, a vague theme. Uh, it was Im- influenced by, it was still a very good show. A great show, as all their shows are. But basically, I don't know that much at all. all right, for, well, because I knew absolutely nothing. Whoa. So hopefully my ignorance is coming from a place. Because I imagine a lot of people at home, it's very popular, obviously, with a certain uh, subsect. Yep. But if you are at home and you're like, I don't know anything about Dozens of Dragons, hopefully it's still interesting to you because I didn't either. And I'm definitely coming – I'm just flagging that I'm coming at it as a complete novice. So if it's like your world, I don't want to yeah, I speak think- out of turn. I actually think if you are – like if you love Dungeons and Dragons so much – Probably stop listening, <laughs> Just honestly, because when we did the Riverdance episode, something I care about deeply, it crushed me. And we're definitely going to say things uh, wrong about it just out of our own ignorance. And we're probably going to make jokes at some point because that's our fucking jobs. Um, so <laughs> at some point, oh my this is going to hurt you. Jess, I can't help but feel you're on the front foot here. <laughs> 
Riverdance style. Dave, I just want to double check. Did you thank Jacob Miller for suggesting? Because he's the one who he also suggested it on the um, the Patreon poll. Yes, sir, from Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, well done. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. No, I'm absolutely. glad I, I just spent five minutes finding that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you looked that up because he also suggested it into the, the oh, jacket great, hat. Perfect. That's the only way. To, so thank you for double checking. So Dungeons and Dragons. For those like me who, until yesterday, had no idea about it, is a tabletop fantasy role-playing game, and it's described on the official D&D website, that means Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. like this. Quote, the core of D&D is storytelling. You and your friends tell a story together, guiding your heroes through quests for treasure, battles with deadly foes, daring rescues, courtly intrigue, Ooh. and much more. I mean, oh. it sounds really fun. Yeah, it I'm does. courtly intrigued right now. But how did it come about? The first game was created by Gary Gygax. <gasps> that is an all-time great name. We've got a new Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. I've got written here, we have a new member for the Gary Hall of Fame. <laughs> Holy shit, Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. <laughs> I've got to make a Gary Hall of Fame. That's so obvious. Of course. So sure. And his friend, Dave Arneson. New member for the Dave Hall of Fame. Uh, Please. Pretty good. Yeah, Dave Arneson. He sounds like a. he's probably a fine guy. Yeah, he he's great. no Gary Gygax. Gygax. Gary Gygax, Dave Arneson. And when they developed the first game in their respective basements, I doubt they had any idea that within 10 years they would have their own TV show, would be living it up in mansions, have 600 employees, what? all whilst the game they made created a moral panic across the United States Holy of America. What? I'm confused. How, how do they – is this – I didn't even think it was a game you could buy. So where are they making their money? What do you I mean guess you didn't think it was it. a game you could buy? I just thought, it, isn't it like people just telling stories and No, it's a capes? game. Yes, yeah, a game. But you can buy like starter sets and right. scenarios <laughs> and things like that. And the 20-sided dice that you were alluding to. They right. Well. 20. Let me talk about Piss that. Piss-coloured. But that is my little sizzle for Dungeons & Dragons. Let's get into it. Well, colour me sizzled. <laughs> what colour is that? Piss. <laughs> He cooks everything. You know, piss. It, doesn't your you... piss sizzle a bit? No. Matt. Well, you got to get hotter piss. My piss is real hot. <laughs> red hot piss. I think you need to see a doctor. Oh, okay, sure. You shouldn't have red hot Well, maybe piss. I'll have to make a phone call <laughs> and a quorum fall. I've got yellow hot piss. My, oh, okay. Maybe I am the weird one. Yeah. yeah. Is your piss really hot? It's so hot. You can't touch it. Doesn't it steam off when you're pissing against a tree or something? I don't get to piss against a tree. <laughs> oh, you got to live a little. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm always pissing against a tree. <laughs> I don't. It does. Matt, that's that explains why the time I had you guys over for dinner and you said, "Excuse me, I just need to piss," which also was firstly a bit of a rude way to excuse yourself from the dinner table. Yeah. But then you bypassed the bathroom, went straight out into the Lemon garden, and yeah. pissed. Yeah, it's always. And where I grew up, Australia, it's polite to piss on the lemon tree. Yeah, and you know what? At the time, I didn't even think anything of it. But it's. Piss, I think piss is hot compared. Maybe I do recall steam coming off my piss. <laughs> Please, stop. I love he's trying to justify it now. Stop talking Sorry. about piss. Um, just in all seriousness, um, <laughs> my piss has steam. Yeah, if you're pissing, that's steam and hot piss into something very cold. Yeah, that's probably what I'm doing. Sure, are you putting ice cubes in the toilet before you yes. piss on them? Well, what do you do with them? <laughs> Where else do ice cubes go? <laughs> And you're paying a colada. Good again. luck. Silly question on my part. Compton. <laughs> Ice cube. Yes, I got it. Just wasn't particularly good. Um, um, continue. Uh, Gary Gygax. Let's start oh. at the beginning. Gary Gygax. Let's get back Full to name, Gary. Ernest Gary Gygax. 
Yeah, you. I mean, you would ditch yeah, you'd Ernie, drop wouldn't Ernest. you? Known as Gary Gygax. Ernie Gygax. <laughs> Ernie Gygax, also <laughs> great. Also great. Yeah. Born in Chicago in 1938, he was the son of Elmina Emily Posey, uh, nickname, and Swiss immigrant and former Chicago Symphony Orchestra violinist turned suit salesman <laughs> Ernst Gygax. Oh, Ernst is a great name. Also, Chicago is only a couple of hours away from Gary, Indiana. So, mm. Well, reportedly his middle name came from actor Gary Cooper, also frontrunner for the Gary Hall of Fame. Wow. Who's Gary Cooper been? Just a fa- you know, famous uh, Hollywood actor. Uh, yes, but who has he been? Who has he been? Golden age of Hollywood actor. What characters has he played? Who has he been? Gary Cooper. It's a, it's a fantastic name. Cooper's a, a sweet surname. I feel like we're getting bogged down in some weird details. Yeah, early. you're both Googling Gary Cooper. Just move on with the report, Dave. Uh, the following comes from uh, Michael Whitmer's book, Empire of Imagination, which is all about Gary Gygax, which I think Matt should read now. Uh, this is about Gary's childhood. Let me tell you about it. Quote, in the words of Michael Whitmer, his gang, if it could be called that, numbered about a dozen neighborhood boys. Most of them came from good, hardworking immigrant families. They called themselves the Kenmore Pirates because most of them lived on Chicago's Kenmore Street and pirates sounded more dangerous than kids. That is true, actually. Their rivals, however, had come from the wealthier north side of Chicago and outnumbered them two to one. Oh, that's double. Uh Uh-oh. Long story short, the two gangs got into a fight and seeing their son with a black eye, this is Gary, the family moved to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, to be with Gary's grandparents. So they moved away from Gary. Gary Gygax's grandparents. <laughs> yeah. So the kid gets in one little fight. Yeah, His mum gets scared. That's it. We're gonna. <laughs> that's it. We're moving to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Yeah. This is the Fresh Prince of Lake Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, that seems like a bit of an overreaction, you well, know. And there Gary hated school and dropped out in his junior year and drifted for a time. I working... should have just stayed in the gang. It sounds like an overreaction, but the recipe for a real fun time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he worked odd jobs and uh, eventually went to junior college at night. Night school. He was doing night school. But whilst working for an insurance company, he discovered his love of what is known as war games. Oh. That's right. He was in a gang and they've moved him and now he's into war games. <laughs> taking it up a notch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, war games were tabletop games, often recreating, so played on a tabletop, board game style, often recreating famous battles where figures and figurines represented soldiers and cavalry and then a dice was rolled to determine the outcome of the battle. Okay. So you're recreating it, but it's a choose your own adventure sort of way. Yeah, basically. Or dice choose your gonna own win? adventure. Who will win World War Two? <laughs> Uh, you roll a dice, you're like, oh my god, oh, no. Hitler just won. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. That was a real roll of the dice, I've got to tell you. <laughs> uh, one player would be the referee and settle disputes between the two having the actual battle. And you'll see why this is pretty influential on Gary's later life. It does sound like this is, as I understand, what Dungeons and Dragons is. But or there, D&D. But there's no dungeons nor dragons. Oh, so that's, where, that's the genius part. Mm, it's just cavalry and soldiers. Right. In 1958, at the age of 20, Gary married Mary Jo Powell and they had two children. Gary married Mary Jo Powell. 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 Powell, and you married. <laughs> uh, all the while, Gary was still obsessively playing these epic and detailed war games, some of which could go for two months at a time. Okay. Whoa. Apparently, it got to the point that he was spending so much time playing the war games that his wife, Mary, thought he was having an affair. And when pregnant with her second child, she confronted him only to discover something much oh. worse. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be that would be the breaking point for me. Gary and some friends were sitting around a map covered table. Oh, Gary. Gary, no. No. I thought it was Susan. Please let it be Susan. Busted. Oh, busted is fun. That, that yeah. Did it how does he looking? How's his face? He's like, oh no. I didn't want you to see me like this. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Those are Simpsons where uh, Marge don't look a, at me. Yeah, what did she say? Marge discovers her dad's a flight attendant. Right. Not a pilot like she thought. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> He's topping up people's drinks. Daddy? <laughs> I want to see Daddy fly the plane. <laughs> Margie, no, no. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good bit. Uh, apparently they'd also play war games uh, over the mail with gamers across the country, which I imagine would take forever. You take one move, you roll the dice. they trusting you to not be lying, and then you'd mail it to someone... You know, in California, they'd Why mail it Why didn't they just do it online? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? I don't know. Get I, a webcam, basic know. setup. Every laptop has one. Oh, my God. I actually don't know. Just, like, download the app. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you just get a notification when they've played theirs. Why don't you just play with someone you know nearby? Yeah. Play with a friend. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, Gary, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Please have an affair. <laughs> uh, Gary was obsessed with chance in the games and found that rolling two six-sided dice resulted in six and six sevens and eights being more frequent than twos and twelves, as there's only one direct combination for twos and twelves. Right. You've got to get two ones or two sixes. But with a six, you've got a four and a two. You've got two threes, so there's more, more chance of it coming up if you keep playing, keep mm. playing, keep playing. He got his players to draw a poker chip numbered from one to 20 from a bag, giving every number the same 5% chance of coming up. But then he discovered in a school supply catalogue <laughs> that a 20-sided or icosahedron die already existed. Ooh. So and he the, didn't invent it. No. That'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? But he brought it into the the world That's of... It's too uh, many. Like, it's so many. But it's much more... You know, if you, you only have to roll one die. But how do you know right. which number is it? <laughs> yeah. It's very pointy. So it's... The number. I think it's the number that's on the top. Ah. Mm-hmm. Not the number on the left-hand side. That would be much more confusing. <laughs> yeah, because that would be different. Who's left? Exactly. And it's like, look, the three of us are sitting in a, in a circle. Yeah. It'd be different for each of us. Oh. Nightmare. That's where the fun begins. Oh. <laughs> uh, using his connections in the budding scene, Gary hired a hall and put on the Lake Geneva Convention or <gasps> Gen Con for sure. Geneva short. Convention? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what it was? I'd heard that phrase. I never yeah. knew what it was, but Very a pretty significant historical event. Referring to that year. Uh, inviting war gamers to come over and battle against each other. It cost him $50 to hire the hall, and entry was just $1 per person, but he made just enough to cover the costs. And he was stoked. Aww. He just wanted to share his his fun. And it was great for him because he was introduced to new people and new variations on games. And Gary was inspired to expand his friend Jeff Perrin's rule book for a new game, which Gary uh, expanded into an entirely new game called Chain Mail. Chain Mail. The real innovation that he implemented in his new game was that rather than just having blocks of characters, like 20 nameless soldiers... 
that you're rolling the die for. In his new game, you could control a single character and give that character a personality. Ooh, I like that. See? Feels more like The Sims. This is where the fantasy comes in because a lot of the people playing didn't have personalities. So they could make up personalities for... Exactly. Yeah. In The Sims, you can be a stand-up comedian and Sim... My Sims are always way more successful than I am. I'd really love to make up a personality for me. Can you make one for me? Yeah, big time. I'm just gonna um, uh, gonna make you really good at listening and oh, never interrupting. Okay. Um, this is fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. I I want to play. I really want to play a D and D game. I gotta ask a, a, one of someone I know who does a D and D podcast. I reckon we can do a, a Patreon bonus oh, episode. That that's a cool one. idea. It'd be really fun. We could, should get a guru in. They can be. The, would that maybe, not be really frustrating for them? Maybe. Oh, Three I don't know. Noobs. I don't know. Depends. I think for, from, Hings, in my research, people Hings seem one? pretty happy to yeah. invite to new people in. I'm pretty yeah, sure nice. Michael Hing's one. He started without not without knowing what it was. I think. Mm. And Adam Carnavale from Sans Pants one. Maybe he's he seems like a patient guy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he'd be up for it. Okay, cool. I'm anyway, I could probably ask him off pod. Yeah. Seeing as he doesn't listen to this. Adam? But Adam, if you are listening, <laughs> get in touch. Uh, and also, he also had fun with Chainmail by making a secondary group of rules that you could add in that included magical elements like dragons, elves, and wizards. Oh, so, that's fun. So Chainmail was very much like all the other games, which was war-based, but you could control one character. Yeah. But then, and you could play that normally, but then he had a little extra group of sort of... Uh, out the back of the shop rules oh. where you could uh, add in the magical stuff. <laughs> Most of his friends he had in the war game scene didn't get the magical elements and shunned Gary and the game. Aww. They did not like it. I've, that's pioneers. They always, that always happens to pioneers. You know? yeah. You're breaking new boundaries. People are going to poo-poo you. Poo-poo, they'll say. He was poo-poo. poo-poo. But a friend offered to publish it and uh, Gary agreed. That's a good friend. Papoo. <laughs> it was not papooed, it was published in 1973 <laughs> and became the small gaming company's biggest hit yet, selling 100 copies a month at $3 a piece. Ooh. Gary, at this time, was working as a shoe repairer in his basement, so he wasn't wealthy from the product, but it suddenly became clear that he might be able to make a living out of the games. Oh, that's cool. Sick. Suddenly seemed possible. But you it know, wouldn't... mate, do what you love, never work a day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's what he said with the shoes, and it got old really fast. Yeah. I love shoes. <laughs> I wear shoes every day. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? So Gary started to dream, but it wouldn't fully click into place until the following year's Gen Con, Geneva Convention. Enter Dave Arneson. Gary and Dave, two great names. We can all agree. So, well, so did they, they didn't know each other until this point. No, they don't know each other oh, yet. Oh, that was for You were just sizzling. Yeah, that was, that was a bit of sizzle. And I'm going to flashback now to when Dave was born in Minnesota in 1947. So, so he's, he's a bit older. Minnesota. Uh, nine years younger than Gary, yeah. Uh, what's the Minnesota younger. accent? <laughs> younger. I get our time get works. Where's, where is it? Tell me a bit about Minnesota quickly. Do you know? Midwest? Midwest, right. Minnesota. They've got, they've got a cool accent, I think. And I'm pretty sure or I'm, the basketball team is the Timberwolves, which makes it sound like maybe they're foresty. Uh, yeah. Timber. <laughs> And uh, so they border Canada, and part of the border is the Superior National Forest. Whoa. So you reckon, I reckon they're pretty superior. That's great. I'm also, I'm pretty sure that Brandon and Brenda from 90210 came from Minnesota. 
and <laughs> Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. Right. I'm pretty sure early episodes of 90210, they'd be like, hey, Minnesota. <laughs> you know? mm. That was like the put down Classic. nickname for the new kid in town. They're like, yeah, I do come from there. <laughs> yeah. Can it's I like, help you? <laughs> similar to Hey, you tugging me too. Oh, I love that. In America, I love nickname because it's so big and everyone's moving around a lot. Everyone's nickname is just the place they're from. Here, I'd just be like, hey, Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. What's up, Melbourne? (laughs) Well, uh, yep. Oh, what was that? Where were you going to go? Well, no, my boyfriend is from Sydney. Oh, that's why I call him Sid. That's why people at his footy team call him Lockie because of lockout laws (laughs) in Sydney. Which uh, have been... Repeal. So it's not even a relevant nickname anymore. Oh, they're so creative at footy clubs, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. Oh, lockout. <laughs> Classic. That's pretty funny. Smack on the bum. <laughs> they love that little bum tap, don't they? love the little bum tap. Bum bum. Yeah, it's just nice That's what they say nice when they tap. Physical contact. They go, bum bum. <laughs> That's also the sound of getting something wrong on game shows. Bum bum. <laughs> You'll hear this sound. <laughs> So Dave Arneson was born in 1957, Minnesota. And 47. 1947. Said 57. Did I say 57? You just said 57 then. It's 47. Uh, 47 is definitely the final answer. I'm not sure when I said what, but 47. Let's go with that. Being nine years younger than Gary. Growing up here. (laughs) I was incorrect at some stage, surely. Uh, Growing up. Dave, too, loved war games, and after receiving uh, such a game as a present one day, he taught all of his friends to play. At 21, he found himself working as a security card guard, but spent uh, <laughs> and card, but spent. Just most so like the one that taps on the doors. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going around on a keychain on some <laughs> security guard's belt, and then boop. It wasn't the job he dreamt of having as a child, <laughs> but um, it was paying the bills. But he spent most of his time playing war games or at the library researching how to make the battles they were reenacting more accurate. Oh wow! So he was really into it. Take out the dice. <laughs> I reckon that one. Want a lot of dice in the Western Front? I don't think, but I could be wrong. Uh, Dave Arneson went to the next year's Gen Con, and in Lake Geneva, he met Gary Gygax and was a little bit starstruck. Who was a bit of a big deal in the local war game oh, scene? You heard of him? I love that That's idea. So good. Oh, they struck up a conversation about a game Gary was developing about the Naval War of 1812, and Dave was able to impress the older Gary by casually naming prices of muskets and rations and frigates during that era. Oh, wow. Because he knew all the, the ins and outs of everything oh, that's to do with war. And I love Gary the idea was like, of being oh. impressed. By, oh, jeez. Oh, geez, my. He knows this stuff. Yeah, musket, three, three shillings. Oh, hello. Oh, my goodness. Hello. I must speak to you more. Yeah, let's chat. Here's my card. Here's <laughs> my security card. <laughs> it's beep, my beep. friend, Darren. <laughs> uh, the two worked together on a game called Don't Give Up the Ship. Good okay, stuff. Catchy. Mm. And even though he was impressed with uh, Gary at first, he saw the older and more influential Gary Gygax as a bit square when it came to certain elements of the game, obsessed with tiny things. And he made it seem to make a rule for every single possible scenario. Right. According to a great article from Wired that I'll link below, which I've got a few quotes here from, Arneson, um, they interviewed him, later recalled, quote, Gary added this really lame section about single ship actions to our game, which nobody ever uses. He described Gary as, quote, not much of a risk taker, didn't cut school, probably didn't get into fisticuffs. Our personalities weren't at all alike. End quote. Even though I started this story with Gary moving because he got into fisticuffs. Oh, yeah. So that was wrong, Dave. Hmm. Despite this difference in uh, 
opinion on how specific rules should be. They managed to collaborate well together purely through their loved and, uh, sorry, through their shared love of games. So they made this game, but they went their separate ways afterwards. But Arneson took a copy of Gygax's Chainmail with him before, the game I mentioned before. It's the one that had the little extra set of rules that you could make magical if you wanted to. Arneson, unlike Gary's friends, loved the fantastical elements and saw potential for a whole new game, which he developed by expanding on those magical rules. He later called the game Blackmore, inspired by various things, including Lord of the Rings. Something I believe was denied for a long time, but then decades later he admitted, okay, I was influenced by Lord of the Rings. I was about to be like, those movies didn't come out for ages <laughs> and then I remembered it was a book. <laughs> I was like, wow. How did you get a copy of the script? How did you? Orlando Bloom wasn't born yet. Ah, <laughs> uh, That's how, yeah, you base most things off that anyway. Yeah, right. was this pre or post Orlando Bloom? OB. Pre-OB. Pre-OB. Just. Post-Bloom. No, it's not quite pre-OP. Pre-Bloom. 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 <laughs> uh, what Dave loved about the idea of Chainmail was it was freeform and relied on improvisation. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, give me a scene, okay? Forest. Forest, okay, give me an occupation. Uh, wizard. Okay. <clears throat> Hello there. <laughs> I'm uh, here in the forest uh, on magic business. What be you? That is some good improv. What? I, I mean, you just, that's blocking. <laughs> that's blocking. You don't say it's improv in the scene, Jess. You're meant to respond. You wait with... until someone says and scene. Okay, yeah. Great. Well, my Did, You haven't blocking, done any classes, My blocking was more just to get back onto track. Oh, you've, you're not familiar with this show, are you? <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing. But also, if you are going to block in any month, this is the month to block You're in. right. That's why I'm blocking. Yeah. Love to block. I love Always to block. Always be blocking. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> Always be blocking. Hey, baby. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> why, did you, why did you hate that so much? That's one of the best things that's happened ever on this show. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. So I just got it. It sounds a bit like, hey, baby. Yeah, uh, that's right. Wow. There we go. You know, you've dissected the frog there, Dave. So. <laughs> Can I just get us back to the magical world? Please do go on. Blackmore. Okay. The game you developed Give from me Chainmail. <laughs> Blackmore. For- forest. <laughs> wizard. All right. Uh, new one. This is a new one. Um, oh, I'm a wizard. What are you doing there? Hello. I'm here. Uh, one pouch of potion, please. <laughs> but you don't have enough money for that pouch. Let me roll this dice. <laughs> now you're getting Oh, you've played the game before. <laughs> so the premise he was developing was simple yet revolutionary. Players would portray only a single character rather than an army and would explore underground dungeons which where they'd improvise their way through puzzles and challenges. Ooh. So uh, Dave played uh, various games with his friends in the basement, improving the game and adding in different rules as time went by. One thing he found was that the players were having so much fun with the characters that they'd created that they were sad when the game and their characters ended. They didn't want to start from scratch the next time they played around, so he decided that uh, their characters in the story would carry over from session to session with the characters working cooperatively and improving their skill sets over time. So rather than creating that that amazing back 
background to the character, a wizard in a forest, and yeah. having to give that up and having to start again. Yeah. The next game, you're, you're a similar wizard in a similar forest. Oh, similar, not the same. Well, the same. The same, but are you? <laughs> I mean, are you ever really the same? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you were always growing. Yeah, same but different. Journey. Changing, yes. learning, is a journey. becoming. And I also remember, I also saw a couple episodes of Community where they played D&D. So I... I do have a fair picture in my head. I reckon I've seen it. It was probably on Freaks and Geeks as well, was it? They did play it on Freaks yeah. and Geeks, yeah. I reckon I, I feel like I know a bit about it, even though I'm still confused about the yeah, minutia. It's one of those things that you just sort of pick up bits and pieces of knowledge. Yeah, from, from, it's just everywhere. I mean, you know, if you watch one episode of Big Bang Theory, um, you, you're, you get you it. Get it. You get they it. They play it on that. Yeah. Well, let me just say, for those who are very confused, I've got a little section of this show where I, as a noob, try and explain a game I've never played. Okay, great. <laughs> great. So look forward to that. This sounds fun <laughs> and infuriating for people who do yeah. know about it. Yeah, uh, there's many apologies written into the text. Uh, Dave Arneson also took the role of the referee of the game further and became the game master, setting the scene and guiding players along their quest. So that's revolutionary at this point. That feels like the kind of role I would like. That's that's the big role. That's like the key role. Yeah, admin, you're the you know? storyteller as well, oh, though. There's okay. lots of creativity in that role. Okay, maybe and a not. little bit of admin. Yeah, I love admin. Mm. <laughs> we get a spreadsheet going for this. Oh, I love for a sure, absolutely. Please. After six, six months of development, Arneson and a couple of friends went over to Lake Geneva in late 1971 to show Gary Gygax what they'd created. Because <laughs> remember, they'd taken his game Chainmail and they created a whole new game out of it. Right. So they want to show the creator what they've done. Yeah. They played a game of Blackmore with him using the setting of a six-level dungeon, and Gygax and his crew absolutely loved it. Aww. Oh, that's great. I was so worried yeah. you were going to say he hated it. That's and he sick. kicked him out. That's so good. So they de- they'd, uh, developed Gary's game. Now, he requested a copy of the rules, and he expanded them from 18 to 50 pages because, remember, he loves <laughs> <Yeah>. rules. <laughs> so he's now expanding on his idea that's been expanded, which is really, really cool. Arneson didn't think that that it was possible to have a rule for everything uh, when you're asking people to use their imaginations. And Arneson later said, quote, he was always big on having different weapons having different effects. Years later, he literally had a small book on different kinds of pole arms, which I regard as the ultimate in silliness. It's just a pointy thing on the end of a stick. (laughs) Far out. But Gary loved to have rules. The two collaborated over the phone on the rules, racking up a massive large phone bill because this is the 70s. Why weren't they... Skyping. Oh, my God. Text. Skype's free, guys. It's free. Hello. Facebook Messenger. Yeah. But after after a few months, Gygax was finally ready to properly test the game, which he did at home with his friend Don Kay, two of his children, 11-year-old Ernie and 9-year-old Elise. Oh, I passed Ernie down even yeah. though he didn't use it himself. Yeah, third generation. Ernie Gygax. And another kid from up the street who has not been named. <laughs> Imagine that. You're part of the, basically the first ever game of this and you're not remembered. Ernie chose to be a warrior, Elise chose to be an elf, and Gygax was stoked as he watched on as the group had a fantastic time. Oh, I'd be a little elf. would be cute. So no, the game's I'm good. Cute. From Malmac. <laughs> Should I go on? Yes. The game's going great. The family are loving it. He's like, this, this game's appealing to all ages. Now all he needed was a name, something catchy, a name that's witty at first but seems less funny each time you hear it. Okay. <laughs> the B-Sharps. <laughs> Sorry, I had to include a Simpsons reference. No, the story goes that Gygax paired a bunch of mythical and sword-based words together until he came to Dungeons and & Dragons and his daughter Cindy, who was only four years old at the time, said, Daddy, I like Dungeons & Dragons the best. 
<laughs> that's what he went with. Great. Good job, Cindy. So he's got a game. He's got a name. Gary started. And he's got no shame. <laughs> he's not wearing pants. Well, he started shopping the idea around to gaming can- uh, companies, telling Avalon Hill, the biggest company in the wargaming biz at the time. Not that I need to tell you that. <laughs> he said, I reckon this game could sell 50,000 copies. They were not interested, and neither was any other publisher. So this is a classic story, Harry Potter style, of shopping the idea around and people saying, that's not going to work. Because people would be coming into their shops every day going, hey, we've got got a a new game. I didn't realise how big it was. It's a a big thing. Even today, people making up new board games. Yeah, yeah, people love it. Uh, The main problem was when he was pitching was that people couldn't understand a game with no winners and losers that in theory could just go on. And on and on. Because you just go on these quests together. Yeah. It's not like Monopoly when, you know, there's a winner at the end and everyone else is sad. Who's ever finished a game of Monopoly, though? I never have. I've never finished Monopoly. It's too boring too early. Yeah. And it's Seems fun. You get to pick a car or something. Yeah. That's fun. go around a bit. Yeah. Go to, ooh, I'm going to jail. Ooh, Ooh, one second prize in a beauty contest. We're having fun. Yeah. (laughs) By the third loop. I'm over it. Yeah, Let's... I'm bored. I, qu- I like Monopoly. Of course you do. Yeah, you're a big ca- dirty capo. That's why. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> it's just You're fun. a nerdy capo. Have oh. you ever finished a game though? Absolutely. What and I've the won fuck? many. Who are you playing with? Our family. Oh. Friends. Oh, you uh, don't have either of those. People, people in the mail. <laughs> you're very much alone, Dave. I really, it's just, it's a fun game. What yeah. about McDonald's You just have to be prepared to lose, which is fine. Yeah, but it's just a long, painful loss, isn't it? It's too long. In the point of that game, it was built to show people how fuck capital- capitalism is. I and think. people are like, oh, my God, capitalism is really fun. Yeah. How? What's the point of the game? How do you win? Uh, you bankrupt everyone else and you become the, the only person with the capital. That's fucked. Yeah. That's life, man. I'm doing that right now. Who are you bankrupting? No, sorry, I'm being bankrupted. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm being done that too yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm very much winning the game at this point. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, it's know. no Yahtzee, let's be honest. <laughs> it's no Cluedo, is it? Cluedo, great game. I'm great at Cluedo. I love great Cluedo. I love game. Boulder Dash. Uh, I love Cranium. Scategories. Mm-hmm. Love, love D&D. Scrabble? Now. Scrabble I like. D&D oh. I've thrown in there. Right. It's a new fave. Boggle? Boggle. It boggles the mind. <laughs> the mind, it boggles. There are. I do like board games. I never play them. We should play board games. I'd love to. Let's have a board game night. All right, let's do one. When we're in the one of our one night, our nights off in the UK and Ireland, let's play a board game. Oh yeah, Monopoly. Party. Here we come. That's definitely how I want to spend our night off. Six hours playing a board game. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. I or not. can't tell either. <laughs> I love. Board I don't games. know what future me will want to do. I also love. Don't card- lock me down. <laughs> I love card games. There's also, but a lot of a lot of pubs seem to have like a stack of board games now. I've never seen anyone play them, but they no. seem to be in a lot of pubs in the corner, like you know, loungy pubs, like Connect bars. Four and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've played Connect Four at a cafe. Yeah, we yeah, have. I, yeah, you. I won. I don't think that's true. I think I won. Anyway, I can't do go you on. Probably did. So he's trying to sell this, but got, Gary can't get anyone to buy the game, despite him saying this is going to sell 50,000 copies and revolutionise the biz. He's a good salesperson. Well, apparently not because no one's <laughs> taking him up on it. But he decided to scrape together some money and form his own company. Whoa. He called it Tactical Studies Rules or TSR. Okay. He co-founded it with his old friend Don Kay, who was there the first night they played with Gary's kids. They didn't ask Dave Arneson, the co-creator oh. of the game, to join. Quote, Dave was never considered as a partner, Gagek says. We d- 
didn't figure he was the kind of guy who would be too good at running a business. Oh, this, no one. Now it's starting to make sense why Armisen's taking pot shots from the future. About his, uh, he loves rules. He made too many rules about sticks. <laughs> didn't know what he was doing. But if he was inside and they got on well, he'd probably be like, you know, he, yeah, his strengths was he loved rules. He, he loved, loved rules. He's a genius. Genius um, rule maker. I love him. Uh, rule number one was exclude me from the money. <laughs> uh, but Armisen later. Oh, I can't believe Guy. Gygax is a dog. No, no. Arneson later agreed, saying that he was he at the time he was just having fun enjoying right. enjoying the thing, and he did later go on. He didn't get stooged of all the money. Okay, don't worry too much. But D and D sold 150 copies in its first month. Whoa! And by summer, TSR ordered another thousand copies, so it was doing pretty well. At ten dollars for the rules and three dollars fifty extra for the dice, it was pretty pricey at the time because this is the early 70s. But through word of mouth, the game spread from college to college and sold out its second run as well. Wow. The company made extra money by selling game scenarios, basically the equivalent of today's like expansion packs, uh, that Gygax and Arneson wrote. So Dave got money from that. Oh, right. He'd come up with a scenario and like... So he's an employee, basically. Yeah. In a way, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So they're doing really well. But it became a cult hit and instantly revolutionized the wargaming scene, which beforehand had just been for people that were into military stuff, military buffs. But D&D appealed to people that liked fantasy as well, and this brought in something new. Women! You'll be <laughs> surprised to believe. Women like fantasy, men like war. Is that what you're saying? That feels a bit like a false dichotomy to me, Dave. Am I saying that right? I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Arneson... I, I wasn't listening. I was fantasizing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was over here blowing up a tank. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you, were you talking? Sorry. Uh, Arneson later recalled again uh, from that Wired article where they interviewed him, quote, war gamers sat around talking about the latest historical books, but these D&D the guys... The latest historical... We like to keep up with the latest <laughs> in historical things. <laughs> <laughs> these D&D guys were from the science fiction community and there were women... You could go. You go from having none at a convention to having twenty percent women, and then he says, "No groupies, though." Darn it! Oh, Ew. Dave oh. Arneson. All right. Dave Arneson. No groupies. Though. All those women. Oh. Now there's twenty percent women, and none of them will have sex none with of, me. None of them groupies. Who's who? Why are you getting? Why are you expecting groupies as a guy who at made up convention? some games? He's seeing himself as the reason that these people are there. He's like he's seeing himself as the rock star of the war gaming biz. Right. And you're right, Jess. No one's sleeping with him. Oh, that's so disappointing. Why do anything if no one will sleep with you? It sounds like an attitude thing, to be honest, Dave. Yeah. Are you talking to me or the other Dave? Because he's the one who said it, not me, can I just say. <laughs> hey, came you out of your mouth. Him. You quoted him. I, I, at this point, I can't tell the Daves apart. Right, as soon as you quote someone, you agree with them. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I've got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate 
your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressed. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P.com slash D-G-O. What I'm going to do is stop the story here. Oh, all right. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us, everybody. Great, and that's lunch. <laughs> uh, just to attempt to give context for what the game is before I keep going for the second part of the story. Is this the part where you're going to try and explain the game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. All right, great. I can't wait. Because I've never played D&D, I've watched a bunch of videos describing the basics to try and work out how I can explain to other people that never played the game vaguely how it works. Fuck, okay. Very much the blind leading the blind here. But this is just to give the game a vague context for anyone listening who's never played. Again, if you're a diehard player, then please cut me some slack. But my understanding is every game has a dungeon master or a DM. Mm -hmm. This is the lead storyteller and adjudicator of the rules. The DM creates and sets the scenes and obstacles for the players. The player's job is to work together to survive the challenges and explore the world, all whilst having fun with your friends. Oh, that's okay. written into the rules. You've got to have fun. Rule one, have fun. Uh, <sighs> I don't want to. I want to cause drama. That rule is definitely not written into Monopoly. <laughs> uh, then everyone playing the game uh, gets to create their own hero. They choose their character's race. Is it a dwarf? Is it an orc? Are you a human? Are you a wizard? All these sorts of things. That's a race, is it? According to okay. the game, yes. Could you be like an orc, orc dwarf wizard? Or yeah, do they do any sort of crossbreeding? Yeah, I reckon yeah. you probably could. Cool. That's an expensive like, pack. you got to pay for that. My mum was an orc, but my dad's a wizard. My so. dad was a beluga whale. So. <laughs> so, I'm massive. <laughs> my dad blew a whale. No, sorry. My dad's John McAfee. So, yeah, he got up to some weird stuff back at home. Is the blowhole? Is anyone remembering? <laughs> Jess is looking at me like I've made, I've come up with something there. That was a John McAfee thing. I vaguely remember it. Once I leave this studio, I forget everything. Okay, it's a terrible, terrible. Trait. Well, we recorded that one at my place. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. Uh, one of the most fun parts of the game that people who play it kept pointing out in the videos was that it can be really fun escapism because you don't have to be yourself and you can be whoever you want to be in a room full of other people pretending to be other things as well. That's yeah. a big part of the game. So you pick, I want to be an orc, and then you get really into it. And a big part of the game is because everyone else is doing the same thing, you're not getting laughed at for your your creation. Oh, that's Basically, nice. That's a big part of the fantasy of it. Uh, everyone also has a character sheet that, describes, that describes their character and also gives them stats which influence how well they react to things in the game. Mm-hmm. So you might be really strong, but your character might be really dumb. But Matt might be really smart but not okay. strong, so Hang you can on. work together. Hang on. That felt... A little too targeted. <laughs> a little too close to the Because I am very strong. Yeah, very strong. I'm the strongest For example, in the three your less. character might have really strong legs. But I'm also the dumbest You also might be less. incredibly thick. Like, yeah, Dave, I'm picking strong up what you're putting down. Strong legs and thick are the same <laughs> thing, mate. Hey, that's an orc. Yeah. Did you know what an orc was? It's sort of like a big, muscly, bold guy with walrus tusks. That's probably me, actually. I'm Did you know an orc, that? But like yeah. a lady orc. I always orc. wondered what they were. So probably real hot. 
Yeah, lady pirates were always hot. Yeah. So lady lady orcs, orcs, sexy. Yeah. Like Princess Fiona, you know? Yeah. She's like, That's sure. An ogre, she's actually, an ogre. So, no, I know, but I'm um, saying like Shrek is ugly, but Fiona, bit of a babe still, you know? I mean, you're, you're, are you saying Shrek's not? That's exactly what I said. I said Shrek is ugly. I don't understand. Are you telling me that Shrek is unattractive? Yes, physically. I don't understand. I'm, I'm, this is not computing to me. Oh, my God. Did you want to fuck Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so confused by that question. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that rhetorical? I mean, I guess we all have different tastes. Does the Pope shit in the wood? <laughs> Do you want to fuck Shrek? These questions are rhetorical. Dave? As you have a sip on your water, I want to see if uh, if you are really a ventriloquist or if... Uh, Dave, do go on. I stopped drinking five minutes ago. <laughs> so everyone gets a character sheet and it says, like, your stats. For example, your strength, measuring your physical power, carrying yeah. capacity. Constitution, which measures your endurance, your stamina, your good health. Charisma, measures your force of personality, and persuasiveness. And whether or not you could uh, lead a cult. Absolutely. Mm. But one of the videos I watched was from Vox, and I'll link that to that into the description because it's quite interesting to watch people play it. Uh, but they broke the game play down into three basic steps. One, describe. Two, decide. Three, roll. Describe. The dungeon master describes what's happening. For example, you see a smug-looking goblin standing up on a hill ahead. They're all smug, those fucking goblins. Two, decide. The heroes decide what action they want to take. E.g., should we kick him in the nuts? <laughs> yeah, probably should. Kick him in the nuts. With tiny goblin nuts. Tiny little gobby Finally, nuts. <laughs> roll. You roll the dice to see whether your action was successful. Oh. This is, so you roll the wrong number, and then that's where the guy on the cape goes something like, oh, you took a big swing with your foot, but you missed, and you fell on your butt. Yes, totally. That's exactly it. This is where the D20 or the famous 20-sided dice comes into it. Called the D20 for the cool kids. Yeah. Uh, the higher you roll... The, higher, the closer to 20, the more likely you are to succeed in your actions. Then you also add in bonuses from the character sheet that gives you a bonus depending on your character's traits, uh, traits and strengths. So if you have to outsmart someone in a game, you've got to roll the dice to see if you're able to do it. The higher you roll, the more likely you are able to do that. But say you roll a 13, not that great, but a mid number, but then you have a plus three in intelligence on your sheet. You add that to the score. Ah. Suddenly you got a 16, baby, so you're probably going to get away. You're probably going to outsmart them. Right. Yeah, cool. is, that, is that sort of arbitrary a little bit? So it's like a, the difference between a 12 and a 13 is a little yeah, bit so up to the Yeah, so that's up to the, the DM. They yeah. decide, oh, you got lucky there or no, you fell on your ass or whatever. Yeah. Right. So your DM keeps describing stuff, you decide what to do, and then the dice gives you a score and basically just, basically decides if you can do that action or not with a bit of discretion from the DM. And that very simply is how you play Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And then and it just goes on forever. Yeah, basically. Can it, you die? Yeah, I think your characters can die. That sounds slightly unsatisfying, but obviously there's satisfaction in there. What if you die early on and your friends just keep playing and you're like, "Well, I guess I'll put on some popcorn, Oh, have you ever been have you ever been bankrupted early on in Monopoly? It is very boring because you went, "Ah, oh, stuff it. I'm going to build a hotel here." And then you land on someone else's thing and you go, "Oh, but then you go watch the footy in the front room. Yeah. <laughs> the good room. That's basically it. So that's my very basic understanding. I'm, I'm, I've definitely missed over some fun nuances, but I don't know if watching videos like that made me understand a bit more how it works. Mm. You're listening to that, and I'm sure you're thinking, Dave, that sounds quite satanic in nature. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that. I was. And parents of the late 70s and early 80s would agree with Jess. Right. 
I am basically a parent of the late 70s. You know how I said it was unsatisfying because there's no completion? I was like the idiots who knocked back buying that game. You know, the guys who said that'll never work. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah, even though I've heard that it's that is not required with to have that a decision, finish. decision, you just lost out on being a millionaire. Well, let me roll this dice and see <laughs> how successful I am at rejecting the game. Ooh, 20. Damn it. I successfully lost <laughs> millions of dollars. <laughs> so the next part of the episode is about the satanic panic around this game. Oh, that's fun. That is good fun. Christian groups are the biggest problem with D&D for the alleged promotion of devil worship, witchcraft, suicide, murder, and the presence, most importantly, of naked breasts and drawings of female humanoids in the original manuals. Okay. Boobs. Boobs on humanoids. Oh, my God. Boobs? You didn't mention anything about boobs. Yeah, there's quite a few. You roll the dice whether you get get boobs. boobs. Are you saying to them that was worse than the satanic aspects, of which you haven't mentioned any? What other satanic aspects? Oh, you're about to. Well, just things like orcs and oh. witchcraft. Because you can, you can, in theory, summon devils and do spells or whatever. Because remember, it's an open game. You can decide whatever right. you want to do. But in theory, you could summon God. and. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, that's the weird thing about it. Um, that's just the world, you know. Christ- these Christian groups had a problem with the world, right? Well, Anyone can do yeah, whatever. They, yeah, they certainly do. I'm not playing that game. I'm summoning devils and worshipping whatever's potentially where's my, where's your christian group now don't have a problem with you where's you your messiah that. group now well let me it's explain a, a bit group more of guys called christian oh they just hang out and they hated the game and they hate this game yeah they're just jocks they're just bullies it's nothing religious they're just all called christian that makes sense so up until this point the game was a hit but an, only an underground hit for people in the know but in 1979, this would all change when D&D became front-page news for all the wrong reasons. Uh-oh. In 1979, Ohio-born 16-year-old child prodigy James Dallas Egbert III. Oh, my God. And he's from Ohio. What a legend. James Dallas Egbert III. What dis- kind of child prodigy was he? A D&D egg- child prodigy? No, computer science child prodigy. Wow. He disappeared from his room at Michigan State University where at only 16 he was studying computer science. Right, okay. So, you know, they accelerated him to university level. What year is this? 1979. And he's doing computer science. Yeah. That's how advanced he was. What he was on the internet <laughs> before it was invented. What kind of computers? Calculators. Is he studying calculators? Yeah. That was the, the computers that were the size of a football field. He was the first one to find out you could write boobs upside down on a calculator. <laughs> went, Get this guy to uni. Oh, my Man, God. It's going to blow his mind when you figure out you can also do boobies. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, they only had like six numbers at a time. His parents knew little about role-playing games, but when their son, they knew their son was into them, and uh, when he disappeared, they came to the conclusion that that's why. His family hired a private investigator to look for him. So the family are out there blaming D&D and it became a, li- a large news story. Quoting from a BBC article here, In truth, Egbert suffered from, among other things, depression and drug addiction and had gone into hiding in the utility tunnels underneath the university during an episode of self-harm. End quote. This led this to be dubbed the Steam Tunnel Incident. The case inspired the apparently terrible made-for-TV movie Mazes and Monsters, which female... Uh, which- featured Tom Hanks in his debut film. Hanks uh, freaks out from playing too much D&D and stabs one of his friends in a steam tunnel after hallucinating that he's been turned into a monster. Right, okay. Which doesn't quite seem like that's what happened. No, but these things like that, people are like, oh my God, this game's evil. That's a powerful board game. Making people do stuff. 
Uh, the real Egbert was not well mentally, and after secretly emerging from the tunnels, he hid from his family in friends house uh, from his family at friends' houses for several weeks. So the it went on and on in the media. Where is this guy? They were so hoping he was having an affair. <laughs> Please. Please. Why do they automatically assume that it was something that it was the fault of a game? That's weird, isn't it? Well, there was also uh, I've re- also read articles that say that um, he was struggling with homosexuality, and these families were sort of in denial about that, and they were looking for something to blame. They're just blaming. So they're in denial about that he has mental illness, and two that he's that he himself is struggling with homosexuality. So they're like, it must be this devil game. That's the only thing yeah. that we will publicly admit to is a reason that he would behave in this way. Mm. Eventually he was found and tragically he did take his own life a couple of years later. Wow. But this is the one thing, this is the put D&D onto the front page. Mm. And then it started other Christian people were like, oh, hang on, this is a problem. My kid's playing this as well. And it was the, not the only suicide link to the, in the media to D&D, uh, furthering its reputation as satanic. Jeez, that's so strange. Patricia Pulling, an anti-occult campaigner, from Richmond, Virginia, claimed that her son, a high school student, had taken his own life in 1982 because of his involvement with role-playing games, specifically naming Dungeons & Dragons. To quote the BBC again here, quote, again, it was clear that more complex psychological factors were at play. Yeah, yeah. But Patricia Pulling, probably very tragically, was looking for answers, and in her mind, D&D was the cause of the tragedy. So she tried to sue TSR Games and also her school's Principal, and when these were thrown out, she decided to found an organisation called BAD, B-A-D-D, which stands for Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> bothered. <laughs> bothered. Tell you what, I am passionately a bit bothered by this. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. She described D&D as, quote, a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. And so she's, she's listing all this to deter people? Yeah, yeah. Because if anything... My ears have pricked up. Yeah, I want to play. I'm going to play, please. Mm. My pointy orc ears have pricked up. I'm sorry. There's boobs in this? <laughs> I'm in. Uh, pulling in bad, the bothered people, launched an in- intense bothered. media campaign through conservative Christian outlets as well as mainstream media including an appearance on the current affair show 60 Minutes where she uh, went head-to-head with D&D co-creator Gary Gygax. Oh, I'm glad which, he got his, to have his say. Which you can watch on YouTube, which I did. Gary was saying stuff like, uh, quote, well, to use another example, if you play Monopoly, no one gets bankrupted in real life. It's just a game. And she replied, it's not my, like Monopoly. There's no board. It's role-playing, <laughs> which is typically used for uh, role-playing mind modification. Oh, okay. And he went... Fair enough. Fair enough, you got me there. That is typically used for that. The um, whole 60 minute story is particularly alarmist, and I'll link to the, in, in oh, the, the show notes. Oh, the journalists have gone that way. Yeah, definitely making it really biased. I, th- I thought 60 crazy. minutes used to be like a legit sort of journalism outlet. Yeah, that, probably was, that was probably considered legit then. Oh, right. But uh, yeah. Uh, when Patricia. What Patricia and other D&D campaigners didn't realise was what they were doing for the game is they were increasing visibility of it and this in turn caused it to become uh, more popular in the mainstream. <laughs> People who had never heard of it before were now hearing about it for the first time. Boobs. <laughs> and, of course, you tell people, 
like teens not to play something because it's dangerous and they're like, well, we're in, baby. Totally. So in 1982, the company saw its D&D sales shoot up to $16 million for that year. Hey, any publicity is good publicity. And it was selling better than ever. That's crazy. I just hiccuped mid-word. That's, crazy. That's crazy. As the popularity of D&D and other role-playing games increased, Pulling's views and statements, this is Patricia, were increasingly called into question. I don't want to laugh at her too much as she tragically lost her son, but she did once tell a newspaper reporter that 8% of people living in Richmond, Virginia, were Satanists. She arrived at that figure, she explained, by estimating that 4% of adults and 4% of teenagers were involved with Satanism and then added that together to get 8%. When the reporter informed her that mathematically that's still only 4%, (laughs) not 8%, she claimed that it did not matter because even 8% was a, quote, conservative figure. (laughs) So she was really clutching at straws. Oh, dear. But because of this, Gygax, Gary, received death threats and reportedly had to hire a bodyguard. Oh, man. Okay. Sorry. Quick sidebar here. Bodyguard? Did yes. you watch the bodyguard? No. Okay. Uh, I, at work the other day, I was up in the Triple J offices and I was walking in in the morning and there was a massive man. What's just happened to your face? Are you okay? What's that? She's looking at Matt for the record, not me. My face is still. What's that? Is that a yawn that you were stifling? Okay, sorry to bring it up, but you looked in pain for a moment. There's no. I mean, if you're going, if someone's going to stifle a yawn, yeah, and then I brought it up. I mean, it's pretty impolite to bring it up. I'm sorry. I was worried that you were dying. No, you were boring. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, I walked into work and there was a massive man, like he's. His shoulders were like four times the width of mine, and he was Sounds really a bit tall. Like an orc. He, he looked like an orc. He was massive, shaved head, and orc. I, I walked in, and I was like, I, the, "My first thought was there's been some kind of security incident. Something has happened at work. Someone is in trouble." I was scared, and then I realized that his t-shirt said WWE, and the oh my god, I saw that dude. It wasn't even that dude. It was that dude's. Security guard. Security guard. Yeah, so you're, the dude you're talking about is uh, I was doing warm-up for the audience on the project and you get live guests in the studio and the wrestler was Mark Henry. Yes. Who I was big fan of wrestling back in the day, so I was stoked to see him there. Oh, he's, he, he was big back in the day? Yeah, so in the, he's in, now in the WWE Hall of Fame and he's actually the world's strongest man. Like he competed in oh, he's got all these lifting records. Yeah, pulled two truck semi-trailers at once, all this kind of stuff. But Jess is not talking about the wrestler, are you? No. I'm yeah. talking about his security guard. Because Secu- I looked over and doing the audience warm-up. Oh, my God, you guard, saw him too. I saw the dude and I, I saw the WWE logo and I went, sure, that guy's got to be a wrestler as well. Afterwards, I asked the people dealing with the talent on the show and they were like, oh, no, that was just the security guard. He was the biggest dude I've he ever seen. He was the biggest <laughs> dude I've ever he seen. Was so, like, he was so sense. big. And I thought he was wearing a security lanyard and I was like, someone has died at work today. Like, we are not safe here. And I he was like, what is happening? Tattoos coming up his neck? Yeah. If oh. you need a, I mean, the strongest man in the world has a, secu- yeah, he's a bodyguard. They're going to have to be a huge he man. He was <laughs> enormous. you got to get the baddest man in the world to protect the big, strongest man in the world. I can't you mean believe how someone who's bothered. What? Bothered, yeah. The baddest man in the world would be, is he bothered? He's bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. The most. I still don't understand. Bad. The the b- bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Bad. Right? The thing you just talked about a couple of minutes ago. Um, I'm back on board. Okay, great. <laughs> Are you with us now? I am. I don't know. Why did I start talking about this massive man? I've if forgotten. Dave said something about a security guard. Oh, because g- g- Gary Gygax hired a bodyguard. I yeah, assume. right. This dude. Oh, man. So huge. 
But Holy just shit. being the awkward person that I am, I didn't hesitate. I just walked into work and said, like, hello, and just kept walking. That's not awkward. That's less than awkward. Yeah, you're right. But also, if something had happened, that was a weird thing to do. But something, nothing had happened. Just an interview was happening. Man, he was an absolute huge, bad ass. Huge, huge Bothered man. ass. Anyway, I don't, Dave. Sorry, I don't understand. Do go on. All right. Everything seems to be going quite well. Business-wise. Yeah, everyone's okay. We're having a good time. Despite having an animated TV show based on the game and accumulating a small fortune, things didn't go well for Gary Gygax in the 1980s. Uh Uh-oh. He was in talks to make a Hollywood film based on D&D, reportedly even talking to Orson Welles to make it. What? But things fell apart for him when his once small business became a large corporate entity and he handed over running of the company to businessmen so he could focus on the creative side Uh, of the the project. Businessmen, what have they ever done? Yeah. Well, sadly, this businessman did not do a good job and suddenly they were in massive debt. Gary recalled, <gasps> quote, they were in $1.5 million in debt when I came back. There were 70-something odd company cars and there was something like $1.5 million in furniture. Oh, my God. He was like, what are you spending the money on? Yeah. Why do you need 70 company cars? I, don't, I know. So we brought in another person. He was like, this, I think it was a lady. She'll sort this out. We can trust her. She did an even worse job and lost even more money and also bought out Gary's shares so he no longer had a controlling stake. Oh, what the hell? There were legal battles over the next decade as TSR would try and attempt to stop Gygax from creating a competing role-playing game. So he's basically been bullied out of his own business and now they've made it so he can't create his own business. He's not super good at business, so he brought in... People who who are super good at business. And they weren't, but they were were good at the game of business because they pushed him out. But he's good at the business of games. Yeah. But not at the game, the business. Really? It was a yin and yang thing there that they could have worked together. Sadly, they put two yins and uh, neither of them could work out business. No one had a yang. Hmm. They were yang free. (laughs) Didn't have two yangs to rub together. That's almost something. It is almost something, yes. And if that wasn't bad enough, the two creators, Gygax and Dave Anderson, also had a dispute over royalties and credit, and they sued each other before coming to an agreement that they reportedly can't talk about. Oh. They continued to talk a bit of shit about each other. Gary said, His contributions were ideas, nothing more. Dave can't design his way out of a paper bag. We'll just walk out of it. I mean, how big is a paper bag? Yeah, I'm assuming it's pretty big if he's in it. If it's like, oh, I was thinking like it's like one a, a, a tuck shop lunch bag. Oh, so just pull it off your head. Yeah, <laughs> there's easy. no design required. It's just there. stuck on your foot. Yeah, just use the other one to get it off. Yeah, that's really easy. Mm. But despite not being able to design that paper bag, Dave was a bit nicer. He said, "Quote: We each brought something and we had fun. When the money came, people's personalities changed. That's all I'm going to say." Everything went fine when it was just a bunch of guys working out of basements, and I wish that had gone on longer. Money does change people. Mm. Isn't that a bit sad? That's why I just get rid of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I buy things. Things will never hurt me. (laughs) But I found that quite sad that he was, yeah, he wished for the days of them just, you know, him working as a security guard then at night coming home and just mucking around in the basement. But then now he's, you know, millions of dollars are involved, and he's like... I prefer the basement. That's that's classic though. That, everyone talks like that. You hear um, more experienced comedians. They talk about their favourite times with coming up. You know, you get to work with your mates more and all that sort of stuff. I think that's just classic nostalgia stuff. Mm. Being younger is better. It really is. 
I'd swap with you guys in a second. Yeah, you're so lucky, Dave. You're the youngest of all of us. Yeah, I would not swap with either of you for a second. <laughs> I'm hanging on to this extra 48 hours of youth. <laughs> but it, I think that it makes sense, you know, apart from the fact that all the, all the stress comes in with money, but also, you know, you've got everything's just potential and it's exciting at the start. Yeah. Then there's I, pressure once you do start to succeed. Yeah, I think that would make gotta maintain that would it. make sense to me. Yeah, totally, totally. But for me, the sweet spot would have been between the basement and between suing your your friend. Yeah, when Somewhere you in when there. you had the money, and you still got your friend. Yeah. Surely that's the time you want to go back. You to. You had a bit of money. Yeah, enough money. But if you and go, a friend, if you go back to the basement stuff, you've still got that bit to come. That's true. You get to live it all again. Yeah. Hmm. That's you go, nice. Go back as far as you can. Uh, Gary Gygax sold his final stake in the company in 1985. And the company continued on, but in the early 90s, it faced stiff competition from computer games. And in 1997, it found itself deeply in debt. And it was bought out by the Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes the hugely popular uh, trading card game Magic the Gathering. Oh, I've heard of this as well. So they're a massive, massive company, selling millions and millions of cards. They made D&D profitable again, and since that time have released three more versions of the game, most recently the fifth edition coinciding with D&D's 40th anniversary in 2014. Fifth edition? For some reason I assume there'd be more. Hmm. Yeah, so they just bring out new... What's uh, that, every eight years they bring one out, on average? I think there's for a while there they went for, you know many, many years without bringing out a right. new version, just... Rehashing. Uh, despite the competition of computer games, D&D continues to be massively popular, and uh, some people say it's having a renaissance now. Yeah, it feels like podcasting might have even yeah. played into that, because there's so many D&D podcasts. Yes, there's heaps out there, and many, many popular ones. A film was finally released in the year 2000 and massively flopped. Oh. 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 In 2000? In the year 2000, yeah. Wow, the future. One of the Wayans was in it. Okay. Damon? Maybe Marlon. Marlon. Maybe Marlon. Uh, oh well. Uh, by 2004, uh, consumers had spent more than a, a billion US dollars on Dungeons & Dragons products, and the company had been played by more than 20 million people. And in 2007, it was estimated as many as 6 million people played the game that year alone. Sadly, neither of the creators are with us anymore. Gary Gygax died in 2008 at the age of 69. Nice. nice. Having continued to create all that time, his role-playing game Castles and Crusades was published in 2005. Dave Arneson died the following year in 2009 at just 61. He taught computer game design and game rules design at Full Sail University from the 1990s until shortly before his death. Oh, wow. Sad. So both in their 60s, so young. Yeah, yeah, both very young, but their game that they created, hugely influential. There's so many spin-offs that have come from it, so many different medias. That influence, but basically role-playing games on computers now, you know, which are the one of the mm. most popular style of game. I call them RPGs. Is uh, that right? I call them MMORPGs. Oh. Massively multiplayer online role-playing games. They are, uh, yeah, a lot. most of those cite Dungeons & Dragons as an influence. So it's right. still an extremely influential thing over... World of Warcraft is an example, is it? That is an example. The Sims? Is that an example? Can you play? Do you play online with people? You can. They're just two. I could go on. Please, one more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Red, Red Dead Redemption, Cowboys. Oh, that's a role-playing game. Yeah, that is. All right. Love that. Love that. That's video game chat done for the week. Oh, but that is a, a noob. Solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> that is a noob's guide to Dungeons and Dragons. 
the first episode of Block. Oh. Block, baby. Block off. And to be honest, now I've, I've seen that, I've watched people play it. I'm keen to give it a go. Oh, we got to do. It would be fun. You're doing a bonus episode. You should hook up uh, a game with some sort of a DM. Stands for Dungeon Master. It took me about half an hour after you said that to, <laughs> to crack the code, but I got there. <laughs> Bloody well done. Yeah, so um, maybe someone from uh, D&D is for Nerds on the Sands Pants Network. That'd it's a fun cool. and popular Ooh. Friends D&D pod. What's Hing's one called? Dragon Friends. Dragon, Dragon Friends. Friends. Another, and that's a, that's a live one that they do in front of an audience. Ah, so that would be really cool. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should just do a live one. <laughs> Yeah. Our first ever time. It's just two hours of people yelling, you can't do that. <laughs> um, um, oh, no, the dice has gone down a crack. Oh, no. Can't get it. Anyway, thanks for coming out. <laughs> I'll just make up the numbers. I'll spin around and say a number. I'll be the human die. <laughs> I'll just die. I'll die. Uh, thanks so much to everyone that suggested that topic and voted for it to be our first block report. Yes, thank you so much, everybody. It's so good to be in block again. I mean, we're actually, you know, peek behind the curtain. We've recorded this just before Block actually began. It's so excited to be in the future right I now. I cannot like, wait for the clock to tick over to Block. Block starts. Block o'clock. Slightly early for us. Yeah, but so pumped up. And we've got um, so four more weeks of Block to come, and they're include, going to include some of the hugest topics. This right. one, even there was, more huger. Uh, three topics are even more huger than this. Or t- I. I have to figure out from Dave. I don't know how we figure it out without spoiling what the topics are, but we'll fig- we'll figure out that out off the pod. How? Yeah. So stay tuned for that. The next coming weeks are going to be full of block. And now it is time for everyone's favourite section of the show. It's the fact, quote, or question section. Or as Jess, the jingle goes. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. And this week, uh, the fact, quote, or questioner is Richard Frederick Schubert III. Ah. Oh. And uh, the way that you can get involved in this is supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash pod. And this is on the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Rest in Peace Memorial level of support. You get to give a fact, a quote, or a question. Well, yes, you ask the question. You don't give a question. But, you know, that's semantics now. If you want to give a question, you can give a question. You also get to give yourself a title. And Richard Frederick Schubert III, I think he's always uh, maintained the same title, the title of Caveman. He is the official caveman of the pod. He that's is the for official sure. caveman of the pod. Richard Frederick. Classic caveman sounding name. Richard Frederick Schubert III. Yes. RFS3. <laughs> and he has given us a question. And oh my God. You know, I don't read these out before I do them. This is free. <laughs> His question is I'm not fucking around. This is genuinely a full coincidence. He's just the next on the list. What are each of your Dungeons and Dragons classes <laughs> and why? Oh, my God. Thanks again, guys. Keep up the great work. What? <laughs> what? What are each of your... I don't know. What does that even mean? You didn't talk about classes. No, I'm sorry. I've got to look that up because that was not in the tu- YouTube tutorials that I watched. I'm I'm so... Hu- We've got food coming. Yeah. And I'm hungry, but that has freaked me out. <laughs> I feel weird. <laughs> What's going on? Weird. I mean, that's probably just a small coincidence, but that is tripping me yeah, out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, people have jobs, but adventurers have classes. Class defines an adventurer's skill set. Wizards do magic. Druids interface with nature. Barbarians hit things. Sounds like me. Not a job or an area of study. Classes are more like occupations or callings. A bard, for example, might not get paid to play music, but they weave magical music playing into their life. Yeah, big time. I'd be a bard. Okay. Try to have a song called Bard. Bard. From that show. 
Ah, the bard. Mm. Gertie are... is the bard. I'll oh, give you some options. There are 12 basic classes in D&D. Barbarian, bard, cleric, druid, fighter, monk, paladin, ranger, rogue, sorcerer, warlock, and wizard. Oh, that those last three I feel like splitting hairs, aren't they? Just magic men? Yeah. Or women. I my first instinct <laughs> <laughs> My first instinct was to go with monk. My, not you want, just because it's a monkey, mostly because but... they don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> nah, God, you, you fucking monk. Accurate. No. Monkey. Because they... a monkey? Well, like, maybe. they don't have sex with monkeys? <laughs> but everyone Is that else true? does? <laughs> no, it's because they, they brew beer. Oh, I see. Well, do you... I'll read out the, the class description. You okay. tell me this is you. Monk. A master of martial arts, harnessing the power of the body in pursuit of physical and spiritual perfection. That, Matt Stewart. Yeah. That's that's who I aspire to be. Also brewing beer. <laughs> I'd love to be a bard. What was the one after bard? Cleric or something like that? That feels admin, and I think that could yeah, be, be. I'll tell you what a cleric is. Mm. Cleric, a priestly champion. No, bard for me. Bard, an inspiring magician whose yes! power echoes the music of creation. Yeah, oh, that's that sounds me. nice. I'm inspirational. I hear the word sorcerer, and I think that sounds cool. Let me look up what sorcerer does. A uh, spellcaster who draws on inherent magic from a gift or bloodline. Well, oh. affluent east. There you go. Yeah, that, that sounds like sense. you. Hmm. Privilege. Yeah, privilege. <laughs> My parents were teachers. Uh, sorcerer. Yeah, How okay, it, great. Yeah, your parents were teachers. How did they funny. do it? How did they make it work? Your parents were teachers. I know. What did they, what did yours do so right? That we had, uh, so wrong? half as many kids as yours. Oh, okay, that's smart. Yeah, my because mum was uh, she wasn't working when we were kids, so four kids on a one uh, public school. Not mm. pu- what do you public school means? Someone else somewhere else. Yeah, what do you call it? State school. It's the opposite. Yeah, that's fascinating. But, yeah. um, In England, I think. Yeah, I think so. My dad was also a very good gambler. So oh, yeah. On the site. That's not true at all. He just <laughs> never gambled. <laughs> he played the stock market. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's a that's a cool question. Yeah, that's a great question. Wild that it lined up with so this cool. episode. Really, really cool. And uh, maybe, that, maybe is a caveman a kind of Dungeons and Dragons thing? Maybe that's where that comes from. I'm not sure. It's not, it's not a class. Right. Thing. But uh, that's really, really cool. And obviously that's a question that we've already got answered for when we do the Patreon bonus episode. And yeah, we, great. I'm now a sorcerer, which... I'm a bard. At... I'm going to play my motherfucking lute for you. Yeah, Woo! Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, RFS3, Caveman. Caveman. And that brings us to this, everyone's other favourite part of the show. <laughs> Equal favourite. we get to thank some of our Patreon supporters. Yes. Who support us on patreon.com forward slash do go on pod. And maybe that ties in nicely because generally we like to um, read out some names and we sort of play a bit of a game with it. Maybe we could give them a class. Oh, oh good yeah. idea. Okay, Just I've got the list here. Yeah? So we've got six. Is there six remaining classes we can give? Uh, I, th- I think there was about 12, wasn't there? Oh, perfect. That works out well. Beaut, there'll be some Yeah, 12 over. basic classes. We've picked three. Okay, great. Well, I'll kick things off, shall I? Please do. I would like to thank from London, where we are going... That's right. Second show on sale now. Maybe sold out by now. Who knows? It well, was a couple of days ago. I would like to thank Scott Porter. Oh, Scott Great Porter. Name. Porter. Well, 
I'm going to say that Scott Porter's not a porter, but a fighter. Oh. oh, okay. A master of martial combat, skilled with a variety of weapons and armor. Yeah. That's a cool one. Give him anything, he can kill you with it. Yeah, that's right. Could he be an orc fighter? Is that the, Does it work like that? You can be an elf fighter, or you, if you're a fighter, you're something else. I don't. Sure. I can't tell you 100%, but yeah. to me it feels like you pick your race, which we were talking about before, right. your type of character, and then this is an extra thing to pick. Right. Yeah, cool. And there's probably several more options because, you know, that's part of the fun of the game is that there's, I guess, limitless yeah. combinations. Mm, you could be anything. Scott Porter. I really like that name. I like Porter's. It's a nice dark beer. Yeah. And hopefully Scott also enjoys a Porter. Mm, I like Scott. I like Scott too. Scott Porter. Great name. And I, a great fighter. Great, great fighter. fighter. And I'd also like to thank from Chicago. Ooh, where Gygax from himself. Yeah. I'd love to thank Zoe Roberts. Zoe, Zoe Roberts. Roberts. Fantastic. Hear Roberts and then think Paladin? Yes. yes. A holy warrior bound to a sacred oath. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, the sort of yeah. vibe I'm picking up I from felt Zoe that. For Paladin. Sure. For sure. Hell I've yeah. heard that word before. Yep. Uh that's sick, yeah. Zoe Roberts, Paladin, Paladin, but also an orc. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're all, I mean, they're all orcs. Yeah. What no. other ones can there be? I Elves. Don't know if they are. Elves. Elves. Dwarves. Wizards. Wizards. Humans. Dwarf. Humans. Oh. Oh. Funny if you were human. So you could be a wizard human. and then a warlock, or a wizard and a, a sorcerer wizard, warlock wizard. That's Interesting. Just confusing, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating. What a world. I mean, I think so. I watched two YouTube videos on how to play the game. So it's a fascinating world of, yeah, of you know Warcraft, so to speak, isn't it? Thanks so much, <laughs> Zoe. I'd also love to thank from Crow's Nest in Queensland. This is Crow's Nest. We haven't had That's how all the mailing and things when you're a yeah. kid were locked back. <laughs> Lockbag Crow's Nest. Yeah. So that's a place. That must be yeah, a, place. It's a place. I did not realize. Of course. So she, I wonder if Gillian Plant, who I'm thanking right now, do you work for a TV mailroom? Yeah, so if you <laughs> wanted to like the major enter a there. kids' coloring competition, you send it to Lockbag 306, blah, blah, Crow's Nest. Crow's Nest yeah. I assumed that that was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't realize it was a real it seemed place. seemed magical as a kid, Crow's Nest. Maybe it is. Jillian Plant, well, magical's the vibe you've got for us. So what do you, okay, what do magical. You give her as a I class? think I'm going to go for a druid. Oh, druid. A priest of the old faith, wielding the powers of nature, moonlight and plant growth, fire and lightning, and adopting animal forms. Oh, wow. That's what kind cool. of animal bot? Oh, that's cool. A uh, tiger. Tiger. Jillian Plant, the tiger. <laughs> the tiger from the crow's nest. Tiger from the crow's nest. And she's, that's a druid, did you say? Yeah, druid. Druid tiger. Wow, and also an orc. Mm-hmm. How cool. Thank you so much, Julian Plant, you goddamn legend from Crow's Nest in Queensland. That's blown me away. I'd also love to thank from holy moly Halifax <gasps> in Nova Scotia, Canada. That's right. Leslie McLeod. Leslie McLeod is such a lovely name. Love Leslie that. Man. This has been a sick... Sick Leslie McLeod. So and Leslie McLeod is a... A ranger. ranger. Ranger! A warrior who uses martial prowess and nature magic to combat threats on the edges Ooh. of civilization. Ooh. Edge of civilization, because that, remember that was the last port between uh, North America and Europe. Yeah. They are right on the edge there on the east. Wow. That is cool. I wonder if she uses any sort of explosive magic. Yeah, like bombs. <laughs> <laughs> With the power of bombs. <laughs> this is a magic bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Ranger Leslie. I love that. All right. I would like to thank from Ipswich in Suffolk. Suffolk. I would like to thank first name Mr. Oh. Last name Daryl B. Finlan. 
Daryl B. Finlay. <laughs> <laughs> Always be Finlay. ABF. <laughs> that is funny. Well, I think that he. <laughs> What's Daryl up to? Daryl B. Finlay. <laughs> <laughs> What's Daryl? Well, I reckon he's a bit of a uh, rogue. Oh. Yeah, big time. <gasps> I have a T-shirt that says rogue. Whoa. Is this you? A Because this is Daryl. A scoundrel who uses stealth and trickery to overcome obstacles and enemies. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, you had me yeah. at scoundrel. That is Jess. Jess the scoundrel. That so is Daryl cool. B. Finland. So yeah. you and Daryl got a lot in common. A couple of scoundrels. Couple Dirty, scoundrel, rotten yeah. scoundrels. Ooh, what are we like? Thank you, Mr. Daryl B. Finland. And finally, bringing it home to North Melbourne, here in Victoria, I would like to thank Zachary Barr. Zachary Barr. Zachary oh, so he Barr. should be a bard. Oh, he should be a bard. But you know what? We haven't done one of these. It's a warlock. Warlock. A wielder of magic that is derived from a bargain with an extra planter. A $2 shop. Yeah. Yeah, with an extra planter entity. Don't know what that means, but that's you, mate. That's you. That's, that's bloody you, Zachary, that's Zachary Barr. Zachary Barr. Big time Zachary Barr. Zachary Barr. A Mr. Zachary Barr. <laughs> hey, if you're a... Um... <laughs> I that, that running through my mind as well. <laughs> of course you did. I'm you're... in your head. If you are a D&D player, let us know what your class and race and all that kind of stuff is. That would be quite cool. Yeah, it would be fascinating. Out what people are. And if, if you're ever dressed up in a, in a cape, send us a photo. I love seeing people in those big yeah, wizard capes. What a cape. You know the boss, the DM? DM. Do they wear capes? I think they... Well, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any hard and fast rules, even though Gary... Geiger counter probably wanted him to. <laughs> Gary Geiger counter. <laughs> but he, I think uh, often they do, or at least in the ones I've seen on TV, I think they normally zhuzh uh, uh, it up a bit. Oh, I love a zhuzh. Stranger things, like the the boy who went up to the down under in the first season, he was the DM in the third season, and he was like wearing full wizardy outfit, and the others were just not as into it as him. Right, okay. Uh... So it's it's really an up to you thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, when I was watching it, some people when they're their character speak in third person, like, "Oh, my character does this," but other people say, and then he says, and then they put on the voice, "Hello, druid." Oh yeah. Like, so, it's, so it's just up to you how into it you want to get. I'm so keen to do this. We got to do the voice. We got to commit. I think I commit would, to that bit. I only want to do it so I can accent. do that voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what kind of accent? An offensive yeah. one. Oh. <laughs> My Chinese druid says, oh, Jess, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to get cancelled. That's my dream. About time to. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone that supports the show on Patreon. You make our world a better place. And if you want to get uh, all the stuff like shout-outs and uh, uh, the fact quota question, but also two bonus episodes per month, you get to vote for topics, be in the Patreon group, get pre-sale tickets to all our shows. You can do that at any time, and like we say, it does really uh, brighten up our little lives. Dave, can I give you a quick fun fact before we go? I'd love one, yes. You, met, you mentioned uh, Gary Cooper, the actor, who mm-hmm. Gary Gargacanner was named after. Yeah. he. I looked him up. His Wikipedia page is epic. It's so long. He's obviously... He was... Uh, he had a huge career, but he's also a two-time Best Actor Academy Award winner. What? Really? He won in 1942 for Sergeant York, and he won in 1953 for High Noon, which, and that year he also won the Golden Globe Award for the same. He also uh, won in 1959 and 1960, he won at the Laurel Awards, he won top action performance for The Hanging Tree, and they came to Kajura. So I think he became a big cowboy actor. And then in 1961, he won an 
uh, an Academy Honorary Award too. So he kind of like a three-time. Oh, oh right. I'm looking up. That was the year he died at the age of 60. Wow. Not very old at all. So he, um, yeah, he, he was like, he's obviously quite a legend. And makes sense that people are named after him. And yeah, he's in the, he's been inducted into the Gary Hall of Fame. Absolutely. One of the first members you'd think. Yeah. yeah. Time. I've got to start I've got to start that up. Could you make a page on our website, Dave? This is the Gary Hall of Fame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a photo of each of the Garys. That'd be that sick. That would be fun. When you've uh, got spare time. Yeah, that's right. I'll find some some time for that. Well, uh congratulations to Gary Cooper, one of the first members of the Gary Hall of Fame. Yeah, and Gary Geiger Counter as well. Gary, what's his actual name? We said it's Gygax. Gygax. Gary Gygax. So good. So amazing. Such a great name. So good. But that sadly does bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us for the first block Buster Topher Grace uh, episode for the month. Four more to come. We're lucky to have five Wednesdays in this yeah. month. Yeah, what a treat. What a real treat. couple of surprises up our sleeve, a guest or two possibly. Ooh, Who knows? That's very exciting. This is a bit of fun. I'd also like to say that my parents made a lot of great financial decisions. Uh, I didn't mean to say that Dave's teacher parents are better than my teacher parents yeah, earlier. My dad was just a better pr- problem gambler than yours. So. That's really weighed on my conscience. I mean, they're they're on a holiday right now. They're doing fine. <laughs> they bought a caravan. <laughs> they're fine then. So I think they're going. They're okay. going. The height of wealth. <laughs> Mine are flying to Prague next week. <laughs> <laughs> Mine just went to Adelaide, so sucked in. Our parents have all got things happening, okay? Uh, But, yeah, seriously, thanks for everyone that uh, listened to this week's episode. We'll be back with uh, a blockbuster Topher Grace next week. But until then, I'll say thank you and goodbye. And food's just about to be delivered and we're really happy chappies. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.